What is going on, mere mortals? My name is John Solo, and you're listening to the Messed Up Origins podcast, the show where I take your favorite movies, shows, and stories from childhood and tell you all about the truly disturbing original myths and fairy tales that inspired them. Today's episode is a special one because we are breaking down some of the ancient Polynesian myths featuring Maui, the ordinary demiguy in Disney's Moana. If you've seen Moana, then you're aware of the fact that Maui makes some pretty bold claims about his accomplishments, things like lassoing the sun and holding up the sky. But despite him obviously being proud of his world-changing deeds, we don't get to hear many details about how exactly those went down. The good news is that almost all of his braggadocious deeds are rooted in ancient Polynesian mythology, and wow do the original myths get intense. I don't want to spoil anything, so let's just say that Maui had more in common with the movie Teeth than I expected. With a teaser like that, we just gotta get into it, so brace yourself for the very messed up origins of Maui. Chapter 1. The Mana of Maui before we get into Maui's backstory and all the favors he did for us humans, we need to establish how unbelievably complicated Polynesian mythology is. Because you know how when I talk about Greco-Roman mythology, there's always like four different versions of every myth? Well, Polynesian mythology is the exact same way, but at the same time, a lot worse because there are a ton of countries that follow it. You have New Zealand, Tonga, Samoa, Hawaii, Easter Island, and those are just the names I can pronounce. As a result, there's an incredible number of variations not just between the countries, but the multiple islands that make up each country and the villages and territories on each individual island. There is of course no possible way I can talk about them all, so for today we're mostly focusing on the Hawaiian and Maori traditions because those had the heaviest influence on the movie. For those who don't know, the Maori are the indigenous peoples that hail from New Zealand. The reason I wanted to make that clear is that you may have heard slightly or even seriously different versions of the myths we're covering today. That doesn't mean your version is wrong, far from it, I just have a finite amount of time to talk about this stuff. Also, I'm sorry in advance for butchering the names of basically every person, place, and thing that I talk about today. I promise though that I will get better in time. All right, enough with the disclaimers. Being a YouTuber is so fun, by the way. So when it comes to Maui, there's actually a lot of things that Disney got right, but also a lot they got wrong about the demigod's role in Polynesian mythology. At first glance, the most notable inaccuracy is Maui's appearance. If you've only seen the movie, you'll probably be surprised to hear this, but Maui has traditionally been portrayed as a handsome young man, usually a teenager, with a top knot. Sometimes he even has six-pack abs. In fact, this version of him is so common that when Maui's character was first revealed for the movie, it was very shocking to the Polynesian community, and some even took offense because Polynesians being overweight is a common negative stereotype. I'm here to let you know, though, this was completely unintentional by the movie's directors and writers, John Musker and Ron Clements, who, by the way, directed a ton of your favorite Disney films, Little Mermaid, Hercules, Princess and the Frog, and Aladdin, to name a few. Throughout Moana's production, they consulted with the Oceanic Story Trust, a team of experts from across the South Pacific that specialized in fishing techniques, tattoos, ancient navigation, traditional dance, pretty much all aspects of Polynesian culture. For example, for many of the nine major evolutions the movie went through, yes, nine, Maui was going to be bald and a little scarier looking, but when a group from Tahiti said he had to have long, flowing hair because it was the source of his mana, Maui was redesigned. The same thing basically happened with Maui's size. He started out small, but the Oceanic Story Trust insisted that he had to be a larger-than-life character like Superman, and he continued to grow bigger as time went on. Now, when it comes to Maui's temperament and personality, Disney did a little better with this one, because Maui really was a trickster and would often cause mischief that somehow had beneficial consequences for humans, intentional or not. That being said, they did make some changes to his backstory for the sake of the movie's plot and the children's 
children's innocence. Seeing Moana, he was born to mortal parents and they abandoned him when he was just a baby by throwing him into the ocean. But then the gods took pity on him, so they made him a demigod and gave him a magic fish hook that allowed him to shapeshift. This story was inspired by the Maori tradition. Maui's mother, Taranga, was human and his father, Makia Tutara, was a guardian of the underworld. You see, Maui was born prematurely and his parents expected him to die, so his mom wrapped him up in a bundle of her own hair and threw him into the ocean. Then, similar to how Moana was greeted by the ocean spirits when she was a baby, Maui was saved by them. The spirits wrap him in seaweed, he's taken care of by some sea creatures, and then when a storm comes, he's returned to land where he's raised by his divine ancestor, Tamanui Teira, the personification of the sun. He does eventually reunite with his mother though, where he also meets his three brothers and sister and many adventures ensue. Make no mistake though, just because Maui was born a demigod doesn't mean he was worshiped. In fact, he even says as much in the You're Welcome song, there's no need to pray, it's okay, you're welcome. Instead, he was just revered for his abilities and also considered a hero to humanity. As for his magic fish hook, that he really did get from the gods. Only in Maori tradition, the fish hook is made of the jawbone of his godly ancestor and the deity who gifted it was Murray Ranga Wanua, which could be either his grandmother or grandfather, depending on the version. But in the timeline where it's his grandfather, he doesn't just receive the fish hook as a gift, nah, instead he starves poor Gramps to death by hiding his food when he's supposed to be serving it to him, and then he takes the weapon after he's dead. That Maui, always such a trickster, killing his grandpa just so he can rob him. I wonder what kind of hijinks he's going to pull next. Chapter 2, You're Welcome. Dotted out, one of my favorite scenes in the Moana film is when Maui performs his signature song, You're Welcome, where he boasts about all of his greatest deeds. Not only is it a catchy friggin' jam, but it's also almost entirely based on real Polynesian myth. Some of the accomplishments that he sings about are, he pulled the islands up from the ocean, he stole fire to keep us warm and safe against predators, he pulled up the sky so humans could walk around freely, harnessed the breeze so we could travel on water, lassoed the sun to lengthen the days, and of course, he buried Anil's guts, which begot us coconut. Quite the resume, huh? And as you're about to see, the stories behind each one are as incredible as you'd imagine. The myth of Maui pulling up the islands is a great one to start with and is also one of my favorites. According to the Maori tradition, Maui's older brothers would always leave him behind on fishing trips. So one day he decided to stow away in their canoe and didn't reveal himself until they were far enough away from land that they couldn't just turn around. Naturally, his older brothers were annoyed with him and still refused to give him bait, so Maui punched himself in the nose, smeared his blood on the magic fish hook, and cast it into the ocean using some enchanted fishing line he made. Soon enough, he felt his hook catch on something big and he told his brothers to paddle the boat as hard as they could. Eventually, the massive fish had surfaced and Maui told his brothers to leave it be while he retrieved a priest to do the proper ritual. Only, of course, his brothers didn't listen and impatiently chopped up the fish for themselves, only for it to turn into an island. According to legend, if the brothers had waited, then the island would have been a flat surface that was much easier to cross, but all of their chopping led to the creation of mountains, valleys, and rivers across New Zealand. As you might expect, there's a Hawaiian version of this myth too, and it's pretty similar. Only in that one, Maui baits the hook with birds that are sacred to his mother instead of his own blood, and he pulls up the islands directly from the ocean floor instead of it ever being a fish. In another crazy myth, Maui wanted to know where fire came from, so one night he went village to village putting out every flame he saw. Then he learned from the village chief, who was actually his mom, that someone would have to ask Mahuika, the goddess of fire, for more. As it turns out, Maui is actually a descendant of Mahuika due to her and the grandpa he stole the fish hook from getting busy ages ago. So he volunteered to ask her. He found her living inside a volcano at the end of the earth and she gave him one of her flaming fingernails to reignite the fires back home. But Maui being Maui, 
he extinguished it. Mojica was like, what the hell, man? Don't do that again, and gave him another one, but he put that one out too. And so the process continued until the goddess was infuriated in trying to burn Maui alive. The only reason he even escaped was because he transformed into a bird and prayed to the weather gods to rain on her. Mahuika gave one last Hail Mary attempt and threw some fire at Maui when he made it back to his homeland, but she missed and the trees around him went up in flames. Then Maui took the now dried out branches and showed humans how to rub them together to make fire. Now the Hawaiian version of this one is actually way different. Instead of confronting a goddess, Maui simply captures and threatens the leader of a fire-making tribe of birds and they tell him about the rubbing sticks together technique. In one of the shorter myths, Maui pulls up the sky. Apparently for a long time, the sky rested on the tops of trees, which pushed them back into the earth and made it harder for humans to walk around. Hence, when Maui sings that line in the song, he says he pulled up the sky when you were waddling yay high. In one version of the Hawaiian myth, Maui simply erects a tall pillar for the sky to rest on, and in another, he just pushed the sky up with his bare hands. What makes that second one really cool, though, is that he actually carried the sky to the top of a nearby mountain and then threw it so hard that it hung even higher. Another short one follows Maui as he releases the winds. Basically, what happens is he tries to fly a kite, just like his tattoo shows many Maui doing, but he can't because the winds are so weak. So he approaches an old priest who is the keeper of the winds and tells him to release them. He ends up losing his kite because he totally underestimates the wind's power, but after traveling 60 miles on foot to get it back, he learns his lesson and then shows humans how to use the wind responsibly. Now this next myth isn't the last one we're talking about, but it's definitely my favorite, the one where Maui, with the help of his brothers, lassos the sun. See, apparently before he had done that, the sun would either travel across the sky way too quickly or or at just random intervals throughout the day, depending on the version. This made it difficult for Maui's mother to hang and dry her laundry. So being a good son who had totally gotten over the whole being thrown in the ocean to die thing, he gathered his brothers and traveled east to where the sun rested before rising in the morning. Then using the net or noose they had made out of their sister's hair, they tied it around the sun, restraining him, and Maui beat him with his fish hook until he agreed to travel across the sky slower. That's at least the Maori version. In the Hawaiian version, they simply convinced the sun to slow down without beating it or use the lasso on the sun to slow it down as it traveled. And now for Maui's final flex, how he got us coconuts. This one takes place after the majority of Maui's other amazing accomplishments. He returns home from sailing the ocean and fishing up even more islands to discover that humanity is making use out of his good deeds. They're building houses, using fire to cook, the sun was now in the sky for long enough that they could farm and develop routines of their own, and many had settled down and started families. Feeling a little jealous of the humans, Maui decided he wanted to settle down too, so he married a woman named Hina Ate Lapo. I'm just gonna call her Hina though, if that's all right with you. The two lived by a river that Hina would often walk to to fetch water, but one day she's assaulted by Tunaroa, which means smooth eel. Depending on the story you read, Tunaroa may either be a hairless warrior chief, a merman, or a literal eel. No matter the one that you prefer though, one thing stayed consistent, he would repeatedly sneak up on Hina and push her into the river with his slimy tail, which infuriated Maui when he found out. There's also a version where Tuna eats Maui's children too, so we had plenty of justification for wanting to kill this guy. Knowing that he would never be able to catch Tuna if he approached him in his own territory, the river, he set a trap for the freak instead. Either building a bridge across the river to lure him to the 
other side or attaching a net to it, again, depending on the version. If Maui went the bridge route, he simply chopped off Tuna's head as he tried crossing, but in the net version, he chops the eel up into a bunch of tiny pieces. Both myths end the same way though. Maui pushes the remains of his body into the river where it dissolves into many different kinds of fish, then buries his head from which a coconut tree sprouts. And that was the last of the myths referenced in your welcome, but we're not done yet, Solo fam. There is one final myth that we need to discuss and it's one that inspired a huge portion of the film's plot. And I just wanna give you a heads up, this is where it gets really weird. Chapter three, the death of Maui. Final warning, this is your last chance to back out before I change the way you see Maui forever. So remember how in the movie, Maui does all of those insane favors for humanity because he was trying to earn back their love from when he was abandoned and how this ultimately led to him trying to steal the heart of Tefiti so humans can create life, but in the process, he was struck down by her alter ego, Teka, and banished to a desolate island with no way of escaping? Yeah, you remember that, right? Well, once again, the Polynesian lore has its own version of that story, only it's way weirder and way darker. In it, Maui has accomplished just about everything he ever wanted to do. He made a life for himself and basically set up humanity to have a successful future in all ways but one. For his final trick, Maui wanted to grant immortality to humans, and the way he believed he could do this would be through violating the goddess of night, Hine Nui Te Po, who receives the souls of humans when they die. To do this, Maui transfigured himself into a worm and crawled into the goddess's va hmm. Crawled into the goddess's baby cannon, her front entrance, if you will. Maui just transformed himself into a cute little worm guy and wormed his way up her fun tunnel. His logic being that if he reversed the birthing process on the goddess of death and crawled out of her mouth, then immortality would be unlocked for all of mankind. Only what Maui didn't expect was the goddess having obsidian teeth line the walls of her forbidden passageway, so he didn't make it very far in before he was chomped to bits. And as sad and messed up as that is, I've honestly gotta give credit to Disney for finding a way to tell that story to children without scarring them for life. Though I am curious what an animated version would have looked like and what kind of song they could have written about it. Then again, I guess we don't need Disney because I actually told this story in my animated series featured folklore, which you can check out on my YouTube channel link in the description. But that, mere mortals, was the very messed up origins of Maui. Here's hoping you found it entertaining, enlightening, and a little bit horrifying. Or a lot of bit horrifying, because I don't think it gets scarier than vagina teeth. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the Messed Up Origins podcast on whatever platform you're listening on and sacrifice the five-star button to the algorithm gods whose blessings we require to help the show reach its full potential. And to those who want to contact me directly to offer suggestions or correct my pronunciation of words like Maori, follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Our handles are just at Messed Up Origins and at John Solo. I'll see you all again this Friday with a brand new episode of the Messed Up Origins podcast. Until then, my name is John Solo, and don't forget, John shot first.